Thanks to our sponsor, Malloy Law Offices. They are a personal injury law firm here in the local D.C. area that helps others recover from car accidents, work injuries, slip and fall injuries, and other types of accidents. They work on what's called a contingency fee basis. So if you hire Malloy Law Offices after an accident, then you never pay anything out of pocket. They also offer educational content and free consultations for those who have more questions than answers, like us at DC by Foot. We're really excited to partner with them next month to learn all about personal liability as a tour guide in Washington, DC. Visit their website at malloy-law.com or call their offices at 202-335-6141. Malloy Law Offices is open 24-7, so don't hesitate to get the right legal help you need after a personal injury accident. and welcome to Tour Guide Tell All, where your friendly neighborhood tour guides here share with you some of our favorite little bits of uh, history. We are uh, here to really just share with you all the things that we find interesting and scandalous and everything in between. As always, I'm Becca. I'm Rebecca. And together we're the Rebecca's. And it is November. It is nearly the end of 2023, if you can believe it. I certainly cannot. We are just barreling towards the end of the year, uh, last few episodes of the season, which is crazy. Uh, we want to give a big shout out, of course, to our patrons. We love patrons. You are the wind beneath our wings. You make this happen. You keep the lights on. Thank you, thank you, thank you to our patrons. But thank you to all of our listeners. We're really thankful for you in this season of gratitude that you tune in and listen every time we get a different update on our downloads. We're like shocked that there are so many of you. So thank you so much. We are going to be focusing today, as we often do this time of year, at military service. We're coming up on Veterans Day, uh, of course, the anniversary of the armistice that ended the First World War. But in the United States, um, a holiday where we really take a moment to show some appreciation for those that have served and sacrificed. As a precursor for this episode, we highly recommend if you are newer to the pod, going back and checking out some of our past Memorial Day episodes, where we've also sort of touched a little bit on service and sacrifice. And I think really the best place one of the best places in the country, but certainly in the DC area to really get a sense of the scope of the kinds of people who have served this country is to visit Arlington National Cemetery. We've done several episodes on Arlington. I highly recommend checking it out. As we've said, Arlington's really personal for us. As tour guides, we're there frequently. We get a chance to really see it in all its glory, but really see it on kind of the micro level as well. My grandparents and great-grandparents are laid to rest there. We have wonderful colleagues whose parents are buried there. So um, it's a really special place. And what I love about Arlington is it really kind of, to me, shows that service doesn't really, it doesn't just line up with one person, one gender, one race, one kind of background. Anybody with a heart for service can serve this country. And Arlington's like a great living physical example of that. When you walk through, it's every kind of American represented. I don't know if you feel that way when you're there too. Absolutely. Arlington is great because there's so many different people, so many different types of service. All the obviously branches of service are represented, but nurses and inventors, literally every part of American history and almost every single human endeavor I can think of is in some way 
represented Arlington, obviously the military, but also inventors and musicians and actors and actresses and nurses, of course, are very well represented at Arlington. So there's so much history and it's not just men and it's not any one kind of thing. It's the whole of American history is somewhere at Arlington. And there's so many different things. And we give tours of Arlington and our tours are about two and a half hours is usually when Mike comes in. But I always tell people this tour could be about 10 hours, but you wouldn't stick with me that long. And also I don't have snacks. So, <laughs> like, so that's, it's, a, there's so many things uh, represented and so much interesting history that has been forgotten and sometimes overlooked. And it's really, a, it's a beautiful place. The, particularly this time of year, late fall is a really gorgeous time to be at Arlington. It's an arboretum as well as a cemetery. So they have different plants. And of course, a lot of the uh, trees in this area are turning colors at this point. So it's really a lovely place to be. Absolutely. Um, and I love that. It is sort of, like you said, sort of this cross section of human endeavor represented at Arlington. And as tour guides, a lot of times for practical reasons, we only spend two, two and a half, three hours at the cemetery if you're lucky. But that means you've got to whittle it down. But truly, there are thousands and thousands of stories because there's over 400,000 individuals that are laid to rest there. And I always tell guests on my tour that it's often the names you're not as familiar with that have the most interesting stories. Because certainly you could go to Arlington and see President John F. Kennedy, William Howard Taft. You can see five-star generals. You can see some people that you might be familiar with. But our hope with the pod today is to kind of maybe turn your attention to the people we like to highlight on our tour, which are maybe the slightly lesser known names. And particularly for this episode, we're focusing on women at Arlington National Cemetery, which I love Rebecca wrote in her notes, two of our favorite things, which is true. We love women. We love Arlington. We're bringing it together. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's We're finally coming together. I want to do a shout out to one of our favorite organizations, a tour of her own. They do great tours of women's history in the nation's capital. And specifically, they are also have several tours at Arlington Cemetery. There is uh, one of our fellow tour guides, Buck, who we really like. He's really wonderful. He has developed not one, not two, but as the last time I heard, three separate women's history tours of Arlington. So he's got, there. that's how many women, how many really interesting, fascinating women that he's enough material for three separate tours of Arlington. And it's really great. They're uncovering the history of women in Arlington is you see a lot of service and you see people who married someone that was in the service and they themselves never served, but they're really interesting and did cool things apart from their spouse. And that's why they're there. So it's a lot of really interesting things. We are going to talk about some of them, although by no means all of the really interesting women, there are a lot more. We just, you know, have time constraints. And the other thing I want to do is shout out the many women who work at our there are women guarding the tomb. There are women who attend funerals. Arlington has a, uh, a widow's organization that they go to funerals for servicemen, veterans, and they comfort the families. Each branch of service has a widow's organization. They all, they're at these funerals sort of doing the, the work of caring for the families of our veterans, the families of the fallen. And it's a really in, in unheralded but vital job to see people like that at Arlington. And so there are a lot of people, women who work at Arlington on a regular basis that do the sort of silent work of helping veterans and uh, making Arlington the place that it is. Absolutely. The Arlington ladies are one of my favorite aspects of Arlington. I don't think you can really talk about women at Arlington without 
uh, addressing the Arlington ladies. And one of the things they do that I find so poignant and which is very relevant in the present day is more and more with the kind of onslaught of DNA technology and the ability to identify remains from the First World War, the Second World War, from 70, 80 years ago, they will attend funerals for which there are no easily identifiable or living family members to make sure that no one is ever laid to rest alone. And I think that's so poignant and beautiful. And I also want to just shout out the women who serve in the 3rd Infantry Regiment. This is a regiment assigned to Arlington. You will see women as part of the funeral teams. You will see women playing taps on the bugle. Um, they are a vital part of the work that happens at Arlington. And yes, I'm glad you mentioned tomb guards as well. That's always my favorite question as a guide. Are there female tomb guards? Yes, we have one right now and she's fantastic. So, I um, mean, she went kind of viral for being out there in the middle of a storm this summer and not wavering from her post. So women are very much on the ground doing the work. But there are some really cool women buried at Arlington. Who do you want to start? with? I would like to start with, this is going to be a little more Becca's bailiwick than mine, since <laughs> Becca is our Hollywood expert here. A woman named Faye Bainter, who is an early Hollywood film star. Becca particularly probably knows more than me. Uh, there are actually several Hollywood stars at Arlington. Quite a few, quite a few, both certainly women who married, but also quite a number of, of male Hollywood actors as well. So Hollywood's somewhat well represented at Arlington. Oddly, it is. Faye Bainter is the first performer to receive two Oscar nominations in the same year, which is not happened that often. I'm not an expert or anything, but I feel like that's not a thing that happens that often even now. Uh, she This is 1938, and she does win one of those. She is nominated for Best Actress, and she wins for Best Supporting Actress in Jezebel, which if you've heard of Jezebel, it's probably because of Betty Davis. She wins Best Actress. Yet the other movie Bainter is nominated for is less famous called White Banners, one of those that maybe if you're a deep nerd on TCM you've seen, but Jezebel is really 1938. This is like one of the big kind of early Hollywood blockbusters. So it gets a lot of noms. She wins uh, um, an Oscar for it. So if you've seen Jezebel, you know Faye Bainter. She is buried with her husband, who was lieutenant commander in the United States Navy. Uh, another actress who I had never heard of. Oh, let me just let me just jump into uh, one interesting thing about Bainter's husband, who he had served in the Navy. Uh, he actually graduated from Annapolis from the Naval Academy, but he left his Naval career. He resigned. He was a Lieutenant commander. He was like on the path to being like in a cushy kind of up top job, but his wife's film career was doing so well. He actually resigned his commission, resigned his post and left so that he could manage her business affairs because she was the breadwinner. And we're talking about the 19th 1920s. This is, you know, into the 1930s, the Great Depression, but a big boom for Hollywood. So he left the Navy, but he had accumulated enough service to qualify for burial at Arlington. But that for that time, a man leaving his job to manage his wife's, I think that's pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, another actress who's buried there who I'd never heard of is named Constance Bennett. She was a big star in the 20s and 30s, which is probably why I've never heard of her. Her fifth husband, her last husband, she was a Brigadier General, Theron John Coulter, United States Air Force. Uh, so she is buried uh, with him, but she was a big star uh, in the sort of early, the golden age of Hollywood, made more than 50 films, uh, and she is also buried at Arlington. Uh, and the other really big actress that sort of everyone has heard of uh, is Maureen O'Hara. Uh, Maureen O'Hara, if you're not familiar, you need to get the To the Miracle on 34th Street, like right away. 
it's getting to be the season for Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> uh, Miracle on 34th Street. She's also known for The Quiet Man. She made a bunch of films. The film that I know her best for is The Parent Trap. Ah, uh, same. Hard same. <laughs> I think Miracle on 34th Street might have been the first thing I saw her in, but Parent Trap is the one I watched the most as a kid. Yes. Um, her third husband, Charles Blair, was a colonel, and he actually, when he left the service, she helped him run his flying business. He flew planes, uh, and he's the reason that she's at Arlington. She is considered one of the best Hollywood actors to never receive an Oscar nomination. So she was a big Hollywood star. She outlives her husband by many years, dies in 2005, I believe, uh, and is buried in a very prominent space at Arlington. She's actually, we walk by her grave frequently and pointed out because people are like Maureen O'Hara is buried here but she's buried under her married name Maureen Blair and so she's not immediately recognizable which I really kind of enjoy the fact that you wouldn't walk by this grave and say oh hey that's a famous Hollywood actress what you walk by the grave and say oh there's the wife of a colonel and it doesn't it's not particularly showy it's a big tomb like they have a big uh, headstone but it's not doesn't point to her as like the Hollywood star which I really like. Yeah, I love that she is sort of under that Maureen Fitzsimmons Blair, Fitzsimmons being her maiden name. Uh, and he was, I mean, not just an aviator, he was like an aviating pioneer. He is really heralded in the Navy for developing new routes and new technology. So, I mean, he's got in and of himself, because she lives to 2015, actually. So, I mean, she lives 95. Okay. I mean, she lives a long life. He's buried with a family funded marker. So a more impressive marker. And it makes sense. Like his service is quite impressive. And then, yeah, she's just included there in a role that I think is important, which is military spouse, right? Somebody who supported and worked with a military service member. So I love it does it. There is a little tiny bit. If you go like legendary actress, it says like in tiny, tinier print, but most people walking by would never realize <laughs> that's Maureen O'Hara. And I, it, it's a split. When I give a tour, people either go the quiet man, if they're big John Wayne, fans or they'll go miracle on 34th street if they're big christmas people mm -hmm. whereas i'm always like but the parent trap oh the parent <laughs> trap the best the best the best it's the best movie i love it so much another <laughs> so switching out of hollywood a bit there's a woman buried at arlington named sarah ford uh she's the first woman to vote and we love a good voting story in this in this pod. Uh, she was she, originally she was born Seraph Young. She is Mormon. She's born in Utah. In fact, she is the grand niece of Brigham Young. So she is from that family. She votes in Utah. In 1870, while Utah is still a territory, it is not a state yet, the territorial legislature passes universal suffrage, which is the first of its type and really fantastic. Uh, the governor signs the bill on February 12th. There is an election two days later, and she shows up and becomes the first woman to vote uh, in the U.S., which is really wonderful. Uh, she marries an army veteran, which is where how she's buried at Arlington. But I love the voting representation at Arlington. And it's really always very interesting to people that to, when we talk about voting starts in the West for women. There are a lot of territories that as they join the United States, the sort of pioneer, you know, frontier mentality is women do as much work and are as equal as men. And so we don't see a reason why they shouldn't vote. And so if we're going to have universal male suffrage, the thinking is women do just as much work to make this territory of Utah a success. We should have universal suffrage, 
period. So I love that sort of frontier mentality. I love that people are always a little surprised that the first person to vote comes from the West, comes from Utah, but it's a really good example of the mentality of settling the West. And she's a great example of the first person to vote, 1870, 50 years before the 19th Amendment is passed. So she's voting decades before the 19th Amendment is passed, making it legal for women to vote nationwide. So I love Sarah Ford. I love her. I find it fascinating that no one at the time thought to interview her or get her feelings. There's no newspaper record on this. Utah as a state, a territory and then a state would definitely make note of this historical first, but nobody really ever thought to capture her thoughts or opinions on it, which I'd be fascinated to hear. The other Arlington aspect that I find really interesting is her name was misspelled on her marker for a long time. It was corrected in 2020. So if you are kind of doing the math here, she is buried there in the 1930s and it takes, oh, I don't know, about 90 years to get her marker corrected. And I like to point this out. This is not to like shine a light and be like, oh, Arlington has things wrong. It's to illustrate the care that Arlington takes when there are mistakes, when things need to be corrected. And certainly prior to 1900, prior to 1950, in the 19th century, the organization and oversight of Arlington was nothing like what it is today. Um, the fact that there were misspellings, though, intrigues me as a guide. And then the fact that it just took so long for them to find the record to confirm that her name was very much Sarah and not Sarah, which is how it was spelt for 90-ish years. It always amazes me. Arlington, there are mistakes made. There are other ones made at Arlington. It happens, but it amazes me that it took that long get around to correcting this. <laughs> Another woman who we've talked about extensively, we actually did a whole pod about her, is Helen Hamilton Gardner. She's buried at Arlington Cemetery. So if you're not familiar with that name, doesn't spark joy, go back and check out our Helen Hamilton Gardner pod. She was a suffragist. Uh, she was the suffragist that was visited with Wilson in the White House. So her strategy towards suffrage was to suck up to Wilson. Suck up to Wilson. <laughs> I mean, it was more sophisticated than that, but it was basically like, he's president. We got to get him on our side. We just be nice to him and we'll figure it out from yes. there. <laughs> Yes, she's a really interesting lady. Um, but she's fascinating backstory. I want to mention somebody who wasn't necessarily in our original plan, but I think is definitely worth mentioning, which is Brigadier General Hazel Johnson Brown. Uh, we've touched base on her in previous pods, but during a time of kind of deeply segregated education in the United States, she earned her nursing degree at the Harlem Nursing School in New York. She'd been rejected from another a number of nursing schools, and she was so dedicated to this idea, she finally agreed to go essentially to a segregated school. She joined the U.S. Army as a staff nurse. She travels to Japan and South Korea uh, and eventually gets a bachelor's in nursing from an integrated school. And then she sort of comes back to the Army. She decides to be part of the Nurse Corps Registered Nurse Student Program, which then puts her into kind of active duty. And eventually she works her way up to be chief of the Army Nurse Corps. This is an impressive post to hold. And then even more impressively, she is going to become a brigadier general, which makes her the first black female general in the army. So she is going to sort of fight against a very racist and, and sexist system to reach this rank of brigadier general. And then after doing her military service, she is going to transfer to Walter Reed, which is a huge medical center just outside of DC. She gets a master's, a PhD. She basically is going to be the woman to train nurses through the 60s and 70s. 
She is going to train OR nurses and combat nurses for Vietnam. So if you think about these mobile army surgical hospitals, the MASH units, the nurses involved with that are all trained under Brigadier General Johnson Brown. And her whole platform is better equity and equality for women of color in the U.S. Army. She is an incredible lady. If you go to the National Museum of African American History and Culture, they actually have her uniform and a couple other things belonging to her on display in their military exhibit. And I just love her so much. I love like we were talking about nurses at the beginning, and that's a place where so many women have carved out a path of service in our armed forces. Another nurse is Jane Delano, who is, by the way, related distantly to Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Very much so. Uh, on his mother's side. She was a 40 plus year nursing a nurse all over the United States. Started in New York, but she traveled to Arizona and she was in the D.C. area all over the place. Uh, she is going to recruit nurses during the Spanish-American War and founds the Red Cross Nursing Association. She has tireless recruitment efforts, so she's going to get a lot of women to join the service. And particularly in World War I, without her recruitment, without her training, we would not have had enough nurses to fight the First World War, to care for all of our soldiers who are getting injured on the front line. She creates a textbook about hygiene and home care. And then after the war is over, she spends most of the First World War stateside recruiting nurses and training them before she sends them over and retrain, uh, trains a new batch. She will go to France after the war is over and get sick, unfortunately, while she's there sort of reviewing what's going on. She's helping with a lot of disaster relief. France is still very devastated from this terrible war. And so she's going to spend a lot of time assisting with that recovery effort. And unfortunately, while she's there in 1919, she gets sick and dies after a surgery in France. They initially had buried her there, but the idea is to bring her back to the United States and have her buried at Arlington. She is buried in 1920 near what is now the Nurses Memorial, along with hundreds of other nurses, mostly the First World War and Spanish-American War. Yes, she's awarded posthumously the Distinguished Service Medal, which at the time she was like the only woman in the nursing corps to have been awarded that particular medal. Her dying words, by the way, I, I included this in my guidebook, and I just, the, her dying words always just really sit with me. What about my work? I must get back to my work. So here she is, ill herself, and still constantly thinking about the work that needs to be done, particularly even after the war. If you've been to Arlington, you've been to, I'm sure many of you, the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, watch the Changing of the Guard. The Nurses Memorial Nurses section is not very far from there at all. It's a couple minute walk. And next time you're there, I highly recommend that you check it out. There is just a beautiful tribute to these women that have served. And it's an overlooked section. It's easy to miss because you're there to catch the changing of the guard. And then there's the amphitheater and there's the USS Maine and the Challenger and the Columbia. There's just a lot of important things there. But if you just venture just a little further next time you're there, it's well worth checking out the nurses section. And Jane Delano is a name that I think should be better remembered um, today than it is. Yes. And the nurse's more is really lovely. It's this very spare, simple sculpture of a nurse. And it's just lovely. Well worth checking out. Uh, another name that is should be, frankly, better known than she is, is Zikhalasa. 
Zikala Sat, her Anglo name was Gertrude Bonin. She's a full-blooded Yankton, Dakota Native American. And she's buried with her husband, who was also himself part Yankton, Dakota, uh, and was a colonel in the army. Uh, she's buried under her Anglo name. So she's buried as Gertrude Bonin. That's the name, his name on the headstone. But it does mention her Native American name. She was a big, huge and prominent, important suffragist. She was a Native American activist. She was also a musician. She composes the very first Native American opera, which is amazing. She basically takes themes and sets them to music, but in her language. So it's really a gorgeous project and really a labor of love. She moves to Arlington with her husband, who is in the uh, Defense Department for a long, long time. Uh, and there's a park in Arlington named for her, so not far from the cemetery itself. She is really important and prominent. And again, another person who should be better known uh, at Arlington. I'll mention for Zikalasa, one of the elements of her story I find so moving is that her mother kind of willingly sends her off, we'll say, off to this Quaker missionary school. Her mother recognizes that there's a lack of opportunity for them within their reservation, particularly at this time for a young woman, and so figures her best chance grow and expand her opportunities in the world is to go to this Quaker school. And Zikalasa has written, wrote very extensively about that experience, particularly as an adult looking back how much assimilation was pressured on them and pushed on them and just to kind of put a little quote here she later wrote quote i slowly comprehended that the large army of white teachers in indian schools had a larger missionary creed than i had suspected as a child it was one which included self-preservation quite as much as an indian education end quote she would write later about having felt like she lost a big connection to nature during that time and so much of her adult work was grounded in trying to reconnect with her roots, reconnect with what she felt like was a childhood that had been lost. And she really does become one of the most accomplished sort of advocates for kind of indigenous representation and this beautiful creativity, operas, poems, writings, just definitely check out her work if you hadn't. This is another um, marker too that's very convenient to a popular tourist spot. If you are going to see President John F. Kennedy or any of the Kennedys, the Bonin gravesite is very close to there. So if you're already at Kennedy, trust me, you're within a stone's throw of visiting Zikalasa. Let's chat about Grace Hopper. <laughs> so I would like Let's. to just mention from the outset that I do not know anything about math, which is going <laughs> to be hard. I was told there would be no math, which is going to be hard because that's what Grace Hopper is. She is a mathematics pioneer. She's a computer expert. She's a genius computer programmer. She's also a naval rear admiral too, uh, but she was a teacher and mathematical genius. She basically invents a computer programming language which I don't know a lot about computers or math, but I know that that sounds pretty impressive. Uh, she works on essentially early computers, making them go. And she, what she loved most was to teach, but she develops software. She is really instrumental in a lot of the development of technology for early computing, essentially leading down to what we have today. The computer programming language that she used is still in use. It's really, she's really extremely impressive. And when she's already 
I don't want to say famous, but already prominent in her field, uh, she wants to sign up to serve in the Second World War. And by this time, she's no longer young, but she serves as a naval rear admiral. She remains attached to the military, sort of uh, in the reserves for a long, long time, uh, and is buried at Arlington. She literally stays a reservist until the age of 79, which is when the age restrictions of the U.S. military say you cannot serve even in the reserves past the age of 79. So she was the oldest serving officer in the U.S. Armed Forces, which is incredible to me. And I mean, if you can find great pictures, we'll drop one in the show notes of her in her uniform in her 70s. And you just get the sense of a woman that like won't take no for an answer. Also, there are incalculable number of scholarships, conferences, awards, things that are named in her honor. She was the recipient of about every single thing you can get for math, science, and technology. Name an award, she probably received it. But today, you'll see a lot of references to the Hopper Award or the Hopper Scholarship. So much of that is uh, named for her. So she is, I think, the name when it comes to computer programming, when it comes to mathematics. Like you, I could not tell anybody exactly what she did, but I understand that it's impressive and that it has to do with math and computers. Yep, that's exact for exactly where I'm at. Uh, another along the same lines is Elizabeth Smith Friedman, who is a cryptologist and code breaker. She and her husband, both cryptologists and code breakers, in the Second World War, they were breaking codes and really interesting stuff. She's fascinating. Again, I understand nothing about any of these things, but she works at a cryptology lab. Her husband also worked at a cryptology lab. That's kind of how they met. So you can imagine these two like super nerdy people finding each other and finding love over cryptology during the midst of a war. Uh, she's going to crack codes during prohibition. Smugglers trying to bring in illegal alcohol, so she cracks their code. And one of the things that I loved, she applies her cryptoanalytic skills to the works of Shakespeare. Uh, she basically writes an award-winning book about Shakespeare's ciphers and the hidden messages that he put possibly in his plays and things. But they are buried together, her and her husband, William, uh, and their epitaph states that Knowledge is power, which it is. That's true. I love that. So really cool. That is true. It is crazy to me that no one's done like a movie or a miniseries about know. the two of them because they literally sort of meet at one of the very first facilities groups that was funded by the U.S. to basically study cryptography. So they're part of, you know, our little version in many ways of like Enigma or whatever. They're bringing together the best minds in cryptography. And here they are, these two young geniuses falling in love, bonding over their love of puzzles and breaking and figuring out puzzles and, and crypts. And like you said, Shakespeare, that's one of the things they bond over as well. And it's like, I love the idea of there should just be like a movie or a miniseries about their entire love story. He, interestingly, really sort of struggles with depression, which you can imagine in this era is not really well talked about or well defined. And she is really empathetic to that, really caring. She really kind of covers up for him so that he doesn't lose his job so that they can stay working and doing the things that they're doing. Eventually, uh, she'll have him placed into Walter Reed for some care, but she is really going to just kind of follow their love story to the very end. And technically, according to family legend, only part of her is buried with him, interred with him. They actually sprinkled a bunch of her ashes on top of his gravesite per her wishes. That is, I want to be very clear, that is discouraged by Arlington National Cemetery. The spreading of ashes is not something you should be doing if you go to visit, but apparently that is what she wanted. Yeah. And so a majority of her ashes were spread. So I love that. A little, little bit of a rule breaker even after death. 
I love that. I love it. A couple of groundbreaking women in service in the military. First, a woman named Kara Spiros Holtgreen, first female carrier-based fighter pilot, first woman to qualify as an F-14 fighter pilot, which is really cool. Another woman, groundbreaking woman in the military is Marcellite Harris, the highest ranking female officer in the United States Air Force and highest ranking African-American woman at the Department of Defense. She's the first female aircraft maintenance officer. She's one of the first two female air officers commanding at the Air Force Academy, uh, and she directs maintenance there. Uh, she served as the White House social aide during the Carter administration, and her decorations include, but are not limited to, Presidential Unit Citation, Bronze Star, and the Vietnam Service Medal. Uh, she was buried there in 2019 with full military honors and is really a fascinating, another fascinating woman. A woman that Becca knows a little bit about, she talked about her on a pod, is Vinnie Ream, who's a sculptor. Talked about her. She sculpts a lot of different things, including the monument in the Capitol, which is really lovely. Of Abraham Lincoln. She does the yes. Lincoln sculpture and um, the statue of Farragut and Farragut Square, among a few others, but primarily Civil War figures. Reem is really interesting. You should go back and listen to our pod on her as well. But she sculpted a portion of their marker. And of course, there are the three most famous women at Arlington National Cemetery. First Lady Nellie Taft, First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So they're, I think, the three big three that people ask about, or at least their husbands at any rate. Nellie Taft is buried a little off the beaten path with her husband, but Nellie Taft is, I know, a fan favorite of Becca's. She loves Nellie Taft. She is responsible, and everyone in D.C. loves her because she brought us the beautiful cherry blossom trees that are that bloom every year, so we like Nellie Taft. Uh, and RBG and Jackie Kennedy are buried very close to each other. Jackie Kennedy, of course, wife of John Kennedy. And I'd like to mention that even though Jackie Kennedy marries a second time, she had always indicated that she wanted to be buried with her first husband. Two of her small children are buried alongside her. And so they are, they're buried at the Kennedy grave site. It's very prominent. Everybody's seen it if they come to Arlington. That's one of the things you can't miss. And around the corner from them is what we kind of affectionately call Supreme Court Corner. Uh, containing several Supreme Court justices and their wives, including RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> you want to talk about RBG? <laughs> we love RBG, obviously. I will just note, I remember there was such an uproar. Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away during the pandemic. So September 18, 2020, which is my sister's birthday. So sorry to Katie that that's how I can remember RBG's date of death. So... She passes away during the pandemic. Arlington is like not even open to the public at this time. But people are starting to get eager about like, when's her name going to be added to the marker? Because her husband, Martin, had predeceased her by a good decade or so. And people were very upset. You know, people were coming to visit when the cemetery reopened in 2021 and her name wasn't on. The thing is, the Ginsburgs were Jewish and in the Jewish faith, you do not place a marker or in the event that a marker is already there, add the name until the one year anniversary. So poor Arlington National Cemetery, and I saw this play out on social media, was on the receipt end of so many people mad and blaming the pandemic that her name hadn't been added to the marker. Well, 
Arlington was doing exactly what it does best, which is staying in line with everyone's various faith and religious beliefs. So please know that it was not because of any disrespect to Justice Ginsburg. In fact, very much the opposite. They were keeping with the Jewish tradition of waiting till the one-year anniversary. But I just remember people were so anxious for months and months because they wanted to see her name and get a picture. And uh, you just had to wait that one year. And I will mention in regards to Jackie Kennedy that not only is she laid to rest to Arlington, but pretty much the entire concept of Kennedy being at Arlington, having the space that he has is because of her. We're talking about literal hours after his assassination. Mm -hmm. She is out there on the grounds at Arlington, meeting with people, picking the site, really envisioning this idea that thousands of people, millions of people from around the world, around the country, were going to see him. As she said, at Arlington, he'll belong to the people. While there were members of his family that wanted him buried in a private cemetery, she recognized the historical significance. She knew the import of securing his legacy. And so, so much of what you see today with the Kennedy site, this idea of this kind of memorial element along with the grave site comes from Jackie. And she did all of that in just the immediate aftermath of a truly traumatic and tragic event. And I always think of that when I'm there too, this idea of her walking those grounds just a day or two after he'd been killed. Oh yeah. And it's the story, you know, Kennedy was assassinated on a Friday afternoon and the funeral is set for Monday. And initially his family had planned to have him buried near Boston, where he's from. And she changes her mind. She decides that Arlington's the place over the two days in between and really it's a, a very short turnaround, a lot, a little, a short time frame. But she takes the time to go out there and really sort of walk the grounds and figure out where exactly he's going to be buried. She selects the site specifically herself, and it's with all of that trauma and all of that grief that's still happening at that moment to sort of go out there. And I can only imagine how much security there must have been, and just going out there to to sort of pace the ground at night. And so she selects where he's going to be. Uh, and where eventually she will be. So the the eternal flame was also her idea that's still lit at their gravesite. Uh, and later on, after he had been laid to rest a few years later, she's going to have two of their small children that died before their father brought down from Boston and buried with them or buried with him in the same spot. So he's buried and eventually she is, and two of their small children are buried there as well. And today, sort of extending from that is the rest of the Kennedy gravesite. You've got his two younger brothers and a marker for their oldest brother. So there it's a whole row. But this whole idea, this entire vista is really conceived of by Jackie Kennedy uh, in the just hours after her husband's murder, which is incredible. It's hard to fathom. I mean, it really is. Yes. And just recently, um, we're recording this, you know, November 2023. Very recently, um, Caroline Kennedy, the daughter of John and Jackie Kennedy, was just there to lay a wreath and pay her respects. She's currently serving as ambassador to Australia. And when the Australian prime minister, president, Prime Minister? Prime Minister. Prime Minister, you know better. Um, the Australian <laughs> Prime Minister was here. She, as part of that visit, actually spent some time there. And she noted that it's the first time she'd been there in a few years and how moving it was. Again, not just on her father, but her mother and um, siblings as well. 
One last thing I think we absolutely have to mention when we talk about women at Arlington National Cemetery is what is now known today as the Military Women's Memorial, but what was historically WIMSA, Women in Military Service for America Memorial, which is a mouthful, and I understand why they changed it, but I'm still getting used to saying Military Women's Memorial. So this was a group, a foundation that was created in 1997 with the idea of establishing a permanent memorial at Arlington to honor women's service in all branches in all time periods, but to really have a, a full scope of women's service in our armed forces. So the military uh, women's memorial, military women's memorial in Arlington National Cemetery, the idea is sort of conceived of through the 80s and 90s, but they will approve sort of this idea in 1992 and dedicate the memorial in 1997. That said, if you've been recently, it's undergone some pretty necessary restoration. They're actually doing a capital campaign now to modernize the memorial as well. But the idea is to honor all women from all time periods uh, in all branches of American service. And it's a unique element of Arlington because it honors the living as well as the deceased. But if you have not been, there's an external element, which is built into an older structure called the hemicycle that has been integrated into their memorial. And then there's an interior element, which includes a series of really wonderful exhibits and interactive spaces. They do a lot of great programming. They often are the site for women's veterans groups and organizations to meet. They frequently host promotion ceremonies, retirement ceremonies. So it is um, sort of this wonderful place to look at the history of women's service in the armed forces, but also a place actively used by women in the armed forces as well. And so I have a very soft spot for the Military Women's Memorial. I've been lucky enough to attend some really wonderful events there, and I think they do such great work. So you can't really talk about the way in which women are represented there without mentioning that memorial, which is right there when you first walk in. So if you've skipped it, it's time to add it back into your Arlington routine. It's true. It really is beautiful. And it's just very prominent. It's impossible to miss if you're going into Arlington. It is right there. Uh, and so it's really cool. It is really fantastic tribute to women in their continued service in the, the military. So it's really great. And Arlington is always changing and constantly growing. And so there will be at some point more women added to Arlington who are really special and worth talking about. And so at some point we'll do a re a more because there's a lot more women we could have spent this time talking about. For example, Medgar Evers is buried at Arlington and his widow is a longtime activist, Merle Evers, Merle Evers Williams, actually. And it is very likely that she will be buried by his side, hopefully not for many more days, many more years. She's still with us and still an activist and still amazing. And she should be by his side when her time comes. Well, Robert Kennedy's wife, believe it or not, is still alive. People ask me this. I get this question all the time. Why isn't Ethel buried with Bobby? And the simple answer is, she's still alive. So people don't realize that, but Ethel, I assume she doesn't call me when she changes her yeah. plans, but I assume she will be buried by his side in due course. So there's a lot about Arlington that's really great. And the last thing I will leave you all with is one of my favorite graves at Arlington <laughs> is not a military grave at all. It is the grave of a family. So the Custis family, her name is Mary Ann Randolph. Uh, she was the essentially the aunt of the original landowner, George Washington Park Custis. And she wanted to be buried at Arlington. She is. This was back before it was a military cemetery, while it was still uh, a plantation. Uh, and her grave is not far from the house. It is surrounded by a brick wall. So it's basically uh, encased in this large brick 
uh, enclosure. And the reason she did it that way is she was worried about animals getting to her grave. And so she had the family build this sort of rather large brick enclosure for her grave. But that's that's that. So I, I always think that's a fun one. It was before it was a cemetery. Uh, and so it was really, at the time she was buried, that was in a new and novel thing. And now it's one of many graves that are. So it's really cool. Absolutely. And another one that it's easy to miss if you're just sort of making your way from famous point A to famous point B, but a reminder to stop and take a look as you're walking the walkways of Arlington. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this episode, a little chance to talk about some of some of the notable women at Arlington National Cemetery. We always like to mention, of course, that we lead tours at Arlington, both public tours, private tours. Check us out, dcbyfoot.com. We can also absolutely customize a women's history tour of Arlington National Cemetery for you. But of course, we love our friends at a tour of our own as well and be sure to check out their lineup and programming for Arlington tours also. You can always catch us on the social medias. Just look for us, Tour Guide Tell All, on any of the social media channels. You can email us, tourguidetellall at gmail.com. We love to get your suggestions, ideas on topics, anything at all. We're barreling towards the end of the year, so there's just a few more episodes till we get to the end of the year, but there's some good ones. So we are quite excited to talk elections. We're excited to talk um, some pretty fascinating figures so it'll be a fun stretch um from now to the end of 2023 and we're starting to think about 2024 which is bananas that it's going to be 2024 but if you have something you want to hear about let us know we're we're gaming it out we're ready so let us know and thank you for coming along with us on our journey thanks so much guys we'll see you next time bye